Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Happinesses Podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison, and I am very excited, as always, um, because I don't get too many current players on, but this man I've known for a while, uh, we've got a funny story, I think, well, I think it's funny, um, I love watching him play, I love speaking to him, he's one of those positive, infectious people that... When he when he's there, there's a smile. Uh, he tends to be buzzing around. I, I don't think he's hyperactive, but there's there's definitely a lot of energy there. I hope he never loses it. Uh, I'm a bit sad that he's gone south because I don't see him as often as I would like. But I'm pretty confident I'm going to get down to see him, and I'm really keen to have a chat with him. So please welcome the one and the only Mr. Cami Hutchison. Hello, sir. <laughs> Thanks for having me. My missus would say I'm hyperactive as well. Yeah, I, I love it though because you are proper smiley and proper. <laughs> Is that? Do you know you're like that, or is is that just how it goes? Um, I think I think I do know I'm like that. I try and bring energy um, in any way I can. I'm, I'm a bit of a wind up merchant, to be honest. So I'm always looking for a nibble out of someone. I'm always looking to to get a bite if I can, whether it's whether it's my mum and my dad or whether it's one of the coaches at training, like I'll always be, I'll always just be throwing a wee rod out there and seeing if I get a bite. I like that you didn't go with fellow players there you go my mom my dad or a coach that's just like end of the spectrum one end of the spectrum to the other players and friends sitting in the middle of that but it's literally it's anyone anyone i'll look to try and um, wind up do you find you change in different environments so you're now you're now obviously newcastle you've been at edinburgh you've been in france you've been age group um is is the cami you see the cami you always get or is there different masks that you put on um I think when I was younger, there probably was. 
an element of that. Um, and then as you, as you kind of have been in a few environments, you get to figure out, you get a bit more comfortable probably with yourself. Um, I joked cause I said to all the Edinburgh lads when I was going to Newcastle, I was going to rebrand. Um, and it was going to be a new Cammy Hutchinson that all the Newcastle lads were seen. And then after like two weeks, I just very quickly realized, oh, I've not changed at all. Like, um, I can't do it. So, um, even if I wanted to, it's, uh, it's, it's not something I'm in control of. So, um, I love that. But it definitely was something I was aware of younger. So when when you were younger and you you know you were in and around pro rugby as a kid, pretty much. What what's it like with the older players? Were there were you a bit starstruck with some of them? Were you a sponge? Were you cheeky chappy and sort of having a little bit of chirp with them? How did you react or how did you behave? I suppose with the older guys. No, I think like uh, I think things are changing now with how young boys behave in environments. Um, when I was coming through, it was it was still very much like if you're an ACAD, if you're a first year pro, it's like a keep your head down and um, speak when not not quite as bad as speak when spoken to, but like um, that was my kind of mindset. Was was I don't want to. Um, I remember the thing I was most nervous about when I was first coming into Edinburgh was um, parking in someone's space <laughs> and sitting in the wrong seat in the changing room. Yeah, sitting in the and wrong like, seat. It's those little things that you just you don't want to step on anyone's toes. You don't want to you don't want to um, start on the wrong foot with anyone. And um, until you until you're in that environment and you're a little bit more comfortable, then you can start testing the waters a little bit and having a bit of crack and see if it's well received or not. And then you know some people are a bit more open to it than others which is just kind of human nature and um i was lucky because i'd like darcy and crosby and chico and a lot of lads who i played 20s with hodgy um at edinburgh so i still had a group that i could be like myself and really comfortable with but then they're obviously um you know you get starstruck with the the caliber of player um at, at a club like that when you're when you're so young and first got into the environment. Um, so like there was probably quite a few of them I didn't speak to at all for a decent period of time. Um, and it's also, I I think as well, there's an element of me that feels I need to prove myself to them before yeah. before I have the opportunity to to try and yeah. pipe up in meetings or to, to do anything as well. And for the first six, seven, eight months that I was with Edinburgh, I hadn't played a game or anything like that. Um, didn't have a contract, was just, kind of in and out um training for 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 the opportunity um and in that in that kind of stage i didn't i definitely didn't feel comfortable kind of um being that person but um as you as you mature as you um play and feel like you're starting to to prove yourself and earn earn the respect is massive for me you don't just like go into an environment like that expecting or demanding it from anyone um, whether it's an ACAD lad or whether it's a senior player um, and I definitely tried to take that coming down to Newcastle as well didn't want to just like come to Newcastle and and go into that same like hierarchy where I was in Edinburgh like for me when I come into Newcastle and back to to when I first came into Edinburgh and it's about trying to understand the right people that you can have crack with and just treating everyone the the same when you come in and then you can get a bit more comfortable with certain guys um and everyone's got their i wouldn't say cliques but people that they just get have naturally more things in common with people with kids yeah. tend to have more in common with each other the guys who are single tend to have a bit more in common with each other and you you, you figure out your groups um that you fit in 
who as a as a kid in secondary school, you know, watching rugby, loving rugby, probably having that as an ambition, who were the players that I suppose heroes, role models, the the player that you wanted to be like, who who were they? It's a good question. Who well, I mean, obviously I grew up with like the the Ma Nonu and Sonny Bill kind of centre combination, um, which was just which dominated rugby for for so long. Um and then kind of in the Edinburgh setup. Um I remember I was really lucky. I had the opportunity when I was still at high school. Um I was kind of it was back when it was um a different setup with the academy system and I managed to to go in and train with Scotland for um during Six Nations for a couple yeah. of days across the tournament kind of thing. Um and it was pretty cool like being a schoolboy having to say to my PE teacher like oh do you mind if I like miss this afternoon because like Scotland have said they need like numbers just to hold just to purely hold a pad um and go in and just like be an extra number um and getting like the permission to to be able to go and do that was very special and I remember being in that environment and um it was at the time that Greg Laidlaw was captain um and I'd never I'd never seen leadership like that before um just the the way that he spoke it was um so so confident he never he never hesitated he never stuttered um and he didn't he wasn't necessarily the voice that was always going but when he spoke it was really impactful um and again like i never i never spoke to him at all in that environment um i think the only thing that the only time anyone spoke to me was this is awful actually this is so bad i'd gone i'd gone in and at the time like i didn't have any kit or anything like that. i was the academy didn't give you out any kit so I still had a boot bag, which was a Gregor Townsend Rugby Academy that nice. I went to when I was in primary school. <laughs> and so that was my boot bag that I took to, to school. So I always sat in the changing rooms. And I remember Stuart Hogg just looked over at me. And like, I was just sat in the corner, just me, I think it was me and Ben Appleson, just minding our own business. And uh, Stuart Hogg looked at me and was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> And he like asked me to chuck it over to him, and he was showing it to all the boys, and I was just like, "Oh, I don't know whether he's like laughing at me or like with me." I was like, "Fuck." Um, so yeah, that was that was something. Class, Greek. You know, I think everybody loves Greek. What did it just feel like? There was a presence. Yeah, um, it was the the way he spoke. There was I remember it before a session. I can't remember who they were playing, but I remember. Um, before a session they had a team huddle in the tunnel and um you know i mean it was are you, are you in this huddle as a yeah, school I was in, kid, the huddle, yeah. in this huddle yeah, who have you in, got in either side of you i can't even remember i was just i was just starstruck i was starstruck to even be inside murrayfield at the time i'd like, hardly even step foot um like in the tunnel when when we went in when i was at school it was like changing rooms then the rest changing room you weren't allowed into like any further out so um and I remember, I remember Greg saying about, you know, like when you when you pull on the jersey, you're representing everyone who's pulled it on before you, and you never know the last time that you put it on. So make sure that you're leaving it in a better place than you found it. And that kind of it was an essay word for word of what he said, but that kind of idea of like honoring the jersey, I'd never it never really hit me before. Um, and after that, I've kind of tried to. That's that stuck with me forever, and I've, it's something that I've tried to just take internally with me to to any team that I've played for, any club that I've played for. Um, just considering 
who's played there before me, you know, whether it's at, at Curry and you've got like guys like Matt Scott who've played 12 or at um, Harriet's, you've got people who not, not necessarily pulled on the 12 jersey, but you've got like the Bear and incredible Andy Irvin and stuff like that from the school. Um, so there's always there's always people before you that have like, I mean, you talk about Newcastle, you look at Johnny Wilkinson, um, like, and it's just it's just about remembering that and, and respecting that as well and realizing the privilege that you've got to to do that. And after that experience, you've you've been a captain, you've been a leader. How how do your speeches compare? Um I've definitely copied it word for word. Like quite right. Um yeah. So I think I was calling under 18s, I was it was it was in bad luck for for Matt Vegas and he was the captain of that team and in our warm up game against England he um, I think ruptured tendon in, in his finger so he couldn't come to the tournament so you know I was quite aware that I wasn't necessarily first choice but it was a role that I was really happy to take on and um, it was I think probably the the idea of not needing to be like the last word or the loudest voice um, is one that stuck with me you know. Um, some of the best leaders that I've come across do very little talking and do all their leading with the actions on the pitch. Um, I wouldn't say I'm quite that extent, but I try and find like a balance in between that. Um, and I just try and be pretty consistent. Like I, I remember when when I've been made captain in the past, whether it was 18s, 19s or 20s for a warm-up game, just do it. The best thing I can do is my job um, and don't, don't try and bear too much responsibility because then you end up not actually putting the best version of yourself on the pitch, which is realistically the best way to help any team. And that that leadership bit, do you, do you like that? Can do you see that in your future? Is it or is it just one of those things that you have to wait and see? Something yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah, it's it's not something that I I will actively chase. Um, but it's something that I'm comfortable with if if given that responsibility. Um, you know, it's, Edinburgh was being a part of the defence leadership group, for example, um, which, again, like when you go into that room and you look around you and it's Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, Crosby, Maggie, Dino, like just the, the calibre of player is um, just crazy. And I, I remember just kind of sitting there for the first while and just trying to take it all in and, contribute where I could um and then you just build confidence with it and I've been I've been really fortunate to to have been in that Edinburgh environment where it is just like surrounded by not just club captains but international captains um as well so you you get to learn off some of the guys that are leading at the top level um in international rugby um which is which is really really lucky it's not something everyone gets you're a student of the game. Can you see yourself? You know, maybe I'm I'm looking too far into the future of the crystal ball here, but can you see yourself coaching and, and being involved in the game when you stop playing? Uh, no, nah. no, uh, it's nah. I think it would be. Um, I mean, I've seen how demanding it is on coaches. Um, I I don't I don't know if it, I don't know if I'm even cut out for that to be honest. Um, like you know, I love the game. Um, I've actually had a bit of experience uh, coaching school rugby. Um, so I did some coaching at George Harriet's, which is the school I ended my uh, high school at. So I really enjoyed that. I could I could maybe see myself doing some sort of some school level director of rugby, PE, and then just jumping in on the rugby kind of thing. But 
I think the um, the professional game would probably be too much for me, um, if, if I'm being totally honest, at, at this point in time, at least, um, the way I see it. You'd be ideal for that role with your energy and enthusiasm and then the experience that you're gathering up. I think you'd be class at that. Um, well, I'm going well, to rewind. some contacts. Yeah, well, yeah, I certainly <laughs> have. I, I want to rewind the tape a little bit because um, you, you moved up from England to just outside Edinburgh and North Berwick has got a ridiculous like pipeline of players that have come out of there. Um to, to different levels, different clubs, but still producing players. Rugby plays a big part in the town and, and in its culture. But there's, it, it's not just a rugby town. It's not like a town in the borders where rugby's the, the sort of number one priority. What else did you do? What what other activities were you involved in? I, I get the feeling somebody with your energy as a kid, you'd have been an absolute pest. So I'm, I'm guessing you did everything. Yeah. Um... Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. It was, um, I mean, I'll try and list some of the, it was tennis, taekwondo, basketball, um, football, rugby, kayaking, uh, golf, um, swimming. Don't know if I've said that. Um, so so what, what was it that made rugby king? Um, I don't know actually that's a good question it was as I as I got older I was I was quite I was quite fortunate when I was younger I think to have that exposure to so many sports from a young age gives you a really good kind of foundation of hand-eye coordination um, and when you're a bit younger that's that tends to be kind of what any sport is looking for in a kid just like decent hand-eye coordination and someone who's like quite energetic and um absorbs information um and there was i mean there was uh swimming was a big one they wanted me to go to classes before school um but i think uh, we rolled that out because i didn't want to get up at like half four in the morning so that was gonna <laughs> tell, be tell me that story yeah. a swimming parent. yeah i think my mom was as happy to hear that i wasn't i wasn't too keen to do that uh, as any sport um and then it was when I was a little older. It was kind of the tennis um, was was on the cards as well, and they wanted me. They wanted us to travel to the north or the west for um, to go to lessons and camps and stuff like that. And I think probably at that stage, the individual sport wasn't great for me. I was probably I was definitely too competitive for my own good um, when I was younger. And golf was the same. You know, I probably had quite decent talent but never had the the right mindset for it um when i was younger so it kind of came down to football and rugby and i don't know if you ever seen me kick but it's not the most impressive thing in the world um and I, I was probably a little bit blessed with being a bit bigger than some guys and enjoying that physical um contact element a bit more um which which i do think is a lot of mindset um it's not something it's something you either like or you don't like at the end of the day um and it's something that i quite enjoyed which is probably why as as i funneled my sports through rugby was the one that that popped out at the end and the social aspect oh, i don't know what you're talking about social aspect of rugby well, uh, you're saying you know the individual sport uh, i mean mm. it, it, it's a different type of discipline um yeah. because it's really all about you when you're in a team it's all about you but 
your actions or otherwise impact on other people. But I can imagine you like in that environment because there'd be lots of people to bounce off and lots of stimulus to keep you going and then there's the physical bit and there's a skillful bit and it, it to me rug, rugby suits you from i don't know you that well but what i do know to me it's the perfect fit rug, rugby's ideal for a guy like you yeah i never actually really thought of it like that to be to be fair but um yeah i think i think you probably are spot on um i've always enjoyed the the, the banter element of it, the camaraderie, the the friends that you make for for a long time, um, and I've been really lucky to to have made some some amazing ones, um, spanning from minis to to even now um, down here. So yeah, there's there's definitely a part of that which which will have drawn me to it subconsciously. Um, it was it's definitely not something I'd necessarily thought about at that age, but you know if you'd asked me the sports that I enjoyed at that time, it would have been like the basketball and the rugby would have been probably my two that I really, really liked. Um, and for, yeah, you're probably bang on for that reason of, of being able to bounce off the guys around you. And um, there's some, there's something special about doing it with other people. Um, and I, I get when you're in an individual sport, you, ha you when, once you get to a certain level, you have that support network behind you with your personal coach and your personal physios or whatever. But, there's something about doing it with with your teammates um, that I, I think is really special um, and creates memories for everyone. Amen, brother. Love that. Um, the, when you were talking about your Scottish age group stuff, you were able to name like half a dozen people, bang, 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 because those relationships are important to you. The the saying I love and and it always makes me think of Fiji that you know it takes a village. Um, mm. Now North Berwick's not a village, but the, the town, the rugby club, uh, you know, coaches of the various age groups, while they've not stuck with you all the way to the pro game, they're, they're very proud. Um, it must it must give you a great sense of belonging to somewhere like North Berwick, knowing that you've got mates there that you played with, and although they didn't follow you into pro rugby, like you said, you've made memories with them. They're, they're your mates. You've been through some stuff. You did stuff in a changing room or on a bus or on a night out that that was just with them how how do you bottle that and how do you use that to recruit people into the game because obviously it's an issue even north berwick there's yeah. certain age groups where they're struggling to to get enough kids to go how, how do you how would you sell the game if you were to be asked to come back to North Berwick High School or North Berwick Rugby Club or stand up on the outside the chippy um and and make a speech about what makes rugby important why your kids should play it or if you know if you're speaking to kids in a school why should you play rugby what would be your sales pitch um it's a it's a hard one i think at that at that age i think it's all about just having fun and and embracing um embracing the outside embracing um, learning on different learning discipline learning the ability to um, be committed to something see it's not it's not a, you turn up once and um, that's it you've got to be committed you got to go to training on Tuesday Thursdays to play on a Saturday you've got to have the discipline to enjoy doing that to look after yourself as you get up in the in the ranks and the high level you play, the discipline becomes even more important because that can be your, your one percenters. Um, so that a lot, a lot of what you're saying there, like as a parent, I'm going right. That's that's the game for me. 
Yeah. Like I, I'm going to get my kid in there. How do you, how are you going to convince a kid that discipline and turning up and it not being an instant hit is important? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Because um, I, I reckon you've got the ability to do this and you've got the experience to do it. And maybe no one's ever put you on the spot like <laughs> I've just done, which I, 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 I kind of apologize for, but actually... I no, it's okay. Um, I, I reckon Cammy Hutchison would be... If kids got to know you, they'd go, hang on, I, I, I quite like to be like that. That's why I said before, if you went to school, I think you'd be amazing at that role. But it's getting harder to get kids to realize those things that you've said, discipline, commitment. We we know they're good things, but that I'm not sure that's how to sell it to a kid. You said fun was your very first thing. How yeah. how do we sell that instant hit of fun for rugby? To be honest, like for me, like when when I've been coaching um like primary school kids at, at Harriet's, I, I honestly don't give a toss about any of the rugby that they're doing. Like it is purely just about running around, exercise outside and break. If it's raining, let's get muddy. Like who can get the muddiest? Like rolling. It's a ball. Kick it around with your friends. Now you're not making parents happy. It's, it's organized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last <laughs> answer, parents are going, he's our guy. Now they're going, you who's can, this you joker? Put two clips in, um, one for the parents, one for the kids. And like, to be honest, I, like the way I would describe it is organized chaos. It's, but that's like I, I, the, the frustrations that I've found when I think the, that kids switch off. And I think that um, you lose a kid from the sport is when you become too specific about the the actual sport itself and try and put too much detail on it and then that's that's not what you want at between the ages of six and 13 and 14 like it doesn't matter if you can um like chop and jackal on a ball or like counter rocking it's it's purely just like those things come later it's just about having fun and embracing embracing like the outdoors embracing the sometimes it's embracing like the, the pain element of it, like having that contact and, but knowing that you've, you've achieved something as well, like walk, there's nothing better than walking off a pitch after winning, being a bit sore from it knowing that you've contributed to that. Um, See, and now, I, 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 now, I want you to go on coaching courses and tell people that are getting defensive lines and coming up with yeah. calls. And if it, and like, now I want you to go and speak to those people. I'm not I'm not a believer I don't I'm not so far that way that I don't think it's you know winning's not important and stuff like that I definitely think winning's important and there there has to be um like that competitive spirit within children for for them to to have the drive to to take it further but it's it's not all about winning like sometimes, I mean, Newcastle are doing it at the minute. You know, we're we're in we're in that that rut where we're not doing much winning. So how do, how would we get anything out of it? Um, or how how are we looking at ourselves to find positives in in something? And it's not that um, you can you can for me you can never accept being happy with losing. Um, but sometimes, if you're not winning, what are you getting out of it? Um, yeah, so, yeah. I love that. Gee, we're spoken like a true Scottish rugby supporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know it well. Uh, so the the other thing that I love, that energy and enthusiasm you've got, I'm not, and I'm interested to hear, so you, right, you're going to France. You know, that that's a big old challenge. Um, 
especially so young was that were you told that's where you're going or was that uh would you like to go how, how did the french bit come around so um i remember um so i did so that that came actually quite late um i'd played 20s in 2017 so i played in six nations and i did my acl and we knew going into the six nations that i needed a shoulder reconstruction um we'd seen the consultant i missed the game against the club 15 um because i was um, seeing the consultant that evening and she'd said you need an operation on your shoulder we said well can we play with it she said yeah like the worst thing that's going to happen is your shoulder is going to dislocate and you need the operation and then four weeks later my acl went um so then i needed a double operation i'd just come back from that and i was really i was really lucky that the academy stuck with me for that following season because it would have been really easy at that point to patch me off um, because you know that was that was the 12 months of that contract written off effectively um so I was really lucky that they stuck with me and gave me that contract for another year. And then it was in about April time, I was starting to come back to fitness. I think my first rugby back was Melrose Sevens. Um, and then it was maybe in April um, when the World Cup was happening end of May, early June. In April, got called into the, I, I remember going to the car and then Bevy, the academy manager, phoned me and asked me to come back in. And he'd said that my name had been on a, a short list of names for people that wanted to go to France. Um, and they'd said, like, it's not it's not going to be forced upon you. If you want to go, this is an opportunity that that we feel you could um, do well in and an op like an, a life opportunity for you as well. Um, and to be honest, I was pretty open from it from the start. It was something that I was really happy with. I know um, one of the other lads, Hamish Bain, he was in with Edinburgh at the time. Um, and took a bit more convincing um, to go. So I was just more looking just to enjoy my rugby again and get back to to playing because I'd missed I'd missed it so much in that time that I was out with Macy on my shoulder. Um, so it was an opportunity that um, I, I was really open to. Obviously, it didn't necessarily go um, how I'd hoped it, it would it would have gone. Um, but yeah, I was pretty open to it from the start, and it was something that they just offered. And and how? What does it look like? You, you pack a bag, and and what does it look like when you get there? You get picked up by the club. You're, you know, speaking in French. How, how yeah. does it work? I mean, I'm I genuinely have no clue what this thing could look like. <laughs> if you're if you're going to a top fourteen team, there's likely players there from various different countries. There'll be a bit English language. You're likely in a town that's used to having you know english speaking rugby players swanning around but th yep. this is this is not this uh, the the big show so it's an yep. opportunity for you to go and develop you and I, I think you put it brilliantly it's a it wasn't just rugby it was a life chance and to me i, I think whether people agree or not i think it's a great opportunity for young players to go and see something else yeah um so so our junior world cup in 2018 was in Bézier, which is south, but on the other side of the country, really. Um, and Andy Boyd was kind of in charge of uh, coordinating the program. Um, and he'd come out to Junior World Cup and we drove on um, on an off day that we had um, while I was at the World Cup. We drove from Bézier to, to Nice, which I think was about five or six hours. And the plan was for us to drive there 
and then um, I would get the train back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, there's a funny story actually. I remember we had we got dropped off at the airport from the liaison for our twenties team because he was picking up a car from the the airport at Bezier. Get in the car, shuts the door straight off the bat. He's dropped his Ray Bans out of his pockets in the car door. Ray Bans smashed. So that's a great way to start like a car journey um, <laughs> for four, four, five hours, five, yeah, four to six hours with a guy. Like I'd met a couple of times, but didn't know him too well. Um, and he, so he took me to Nice and we uh, met the um, the coach, um, which was a Georgian um, called David Bogashvili. Um, so we met met him, met a couple of the how, others. How scary was he on a scale of one to ten? Um yeah, he did his best to be as intimidating as possible. Um, you know, he's uh, yeah, he was he was a piece of work to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, he, he was. Uh, yeah, I, I won't say too much. I won't say you could probably you could probably say how I'm trying to be quite political here and how I approach yeah, yeah. driving him. But I was I was prepared at least because. I, I, the previous year, I'd done 20s with Josh and Bruce Lockhart, Josh Anderson and Bruce Lockhart, who had been out there the year before me. So I'd, I'd had a bit of a pre-warning going into it, what what to expect. But anyway, went went to Nice and met them and looked around the facilities and there was a gym getting built and it looked like a really good facility that they were building. And I remember Josh saying to me, oh yeah, they're building a gym. Like It'll probably still just be a foundation when you go there. There's been a foundation there for about eight months um, while we've been there. Um, and I was like, all right, okay. So I went along. Yeah, gym's still there, still foundation. But the coach was like, yeah, it's going to get done for like August. It's going to be wrapped up. So I was like, cool. Like, I mean, it's an incredible um, ground, like massive stand. Really nice. We went, Me and Boydie went around the city, got some food um, and he just kind of like took me around so I could get a feel for the place. And like it was it was really special. Um, and then sadly for Boydie in classic French fashion, the trains had decided to strike. So he then had to drive me back to Nice. But the issue for him was he had to be uh, sorry, he drove me from Nice back to Bézier, but he had to be back in Nice in the morning because he was meeting the club about us going over there. So he had to drive me from Bézier to Nice, back to Bézier, and then he just got in the car about, I think I got back to the Bézier about one in the morning, and he just got straight in the car and drove back to Nice um, and got a couple hours kip and then was up for for meeting them, for organising us. Um, and then in terms of going, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much straight after we got back from World Cup, had a month off, and then we were out um, over there. And um, the coach picked us up with um, the team manager, 
and they'd um, the boys the year before had been in um, a couple of flats uh, out by the the Nice Harbour. I don't know if you've ever been been out that way. Um, it's like a lovely spot in the world. And to be honest, like the arriving that night in the middle of summer, like that that sells it itself. Is when you're a young kid, um, like going over and thinking like this is where we're going to be living for the next year. Like phew, sound, that's absolutely nice. fine by me. Just um, like North Berwick. Just like North Berwick, honestly. And on a lovely day, it's not far off. Um, just very few, few and far between on the on the weather. Um, but yeah, no, went over and we were staying in those same accommodation. There was four young boys that went over with us and two two kind of older lads. Um, so the, the older lads were going out with partners and they kind of got their own places with their partners and the um, the Scottish Union, Scottish rugby union had put us up in the the accommodation that we were in as well which was some really nice flats just out by the harbour um but it's a weird one because you know summer comes and goes and it's great you get your direct flights to edinburgh can fly back my partner can fly out and everything's fine and then come october you you go on a wander down the beach and all the beach clubs are gone like these clubs that are on the beach with the the sun lounges, the bars, the restaurant, like they, they are fully gone. They're, they're packed up and they've left because that's the season done or maybe a bit later in October, maybe November. And there's no more direct flights to Edinburgh. Um, and it just suddenly, it suddenly becomes a little bit more isolating. Um, and the town's a lot quieter, you know, street, like you get shops on the promenade that just close the shutters and that's them. Um, they won't open for the next five, six months. Um, and that was that was quite difficult um, because, although as a from an outsider, you you would say like, what a year, what what an experience that would be. Um, when you're over there, it was it was it was tough because I wasn't playing, um, and there was a, like a big part of me. Um, the way that I'm kind of wired was, I'm I'm here to enjoy myself, but I'm here to get a contract. Like at the end of the day, I'm fighting for a contract coming back, whether that was another academy or whether that was a pro. Um, and to not be playing, and then when I was playing, to be frustrated with how games were going, the the way that um, David treated people was really poorly. Um, it was with very little respect, um, and it was very much like a bullying kind of technique. Um, and I've come across coaches that have been described like that in the past, but this was... Um, this was different. This was on like a personal level. He would get stuck into boys. Um, and just, yeah, he was, he was really, really negative to be around in, in that environment. Um, and for a long period of time, you know, I'd spoken to the agent that I had at the time and said like, look, I think I'm better off coming back to, to Edinburgh. And this was about just before Christmas. Um, I think I'm better off playing for Curry because I'll be getting regular game time for Curry, which was my club um, that, that I was with at the time when I was back. Um, and, you know, I can be playing for them. I can be in training with Edinburgh. And I think I, I would get more out of that for my rugby development than being out here. And when we spoke to the SRU, it was kind of like, a, don't worry, like stick with it. Um, you know, things will work itself out. Um, and that was frustrating because then come February, um, you know, the big dogs fly out and they tell you that you're getting offered nothing um, and that you're not getting kept on um, at all. Um, but, you know, there's this thing called Super Six, which they'd love for you to come back and, you know, um, try, your, try your game at. And 
it was probably from that point I had the best time out there because I just didn't have that pressure anymore. Like a weight um, being lifted off and well, just like there, there for it, the sake huge. of it rather than... Yeah, exactly. It didn't matter whether I played. It didn't matter if I played well. Um, you know, I knew my, my fate at that point was sealed. So it was there was nothing I could do about it. It wasn't in my control anymore. So what can I control? Like just enjoying the last the last four or five months that I had out there. And like we, we very much did do that. Um, we enjoyed it um, a lot. Um, and it was... Um, yeah, it, it was tough for for that first kind of half of the season, just over. Um, but again, it was it was one of those things I really resented um, for for a good couple of years when I came back. And now I'm at a point where I actually I look at it and I see the I can, I can see the things that I took away from it now. But it, it took a long time for me to be able to do that. Um, and for me to be able to appreciate the experience um, and the things that I got from it, because I, I spent a long time resenting the the decision I made, the people who thought that that was going to be best for me, the people who told me to stay out there. Um, but I'm in I'm in a much better place now um, with it, and I, I came to peace with it um, probably kind of around COVID time. Um, was when I really started to to feel okay about it and um, take take what take the lessons that I, I did learn. And you, you learn a lot. I'm not one of those people that say you learn more in defeat or hardship than in good times because I, I I I don't agree with that. I think you you can learn in any of those situations. But it, you've said it took you time. You've reflected on it, and you went through it. It sounds like largely on your own. And you're a, you know, pretty well grounded, a pretty, a, a very honest as far as I'm aware, both in in your actions and your words. Another kid going out there could have found that tough. What what would they need? Because there's obviously a there's a situation we've got at the moment where we're not always sure what's going on. Yeah, and and some players would have found that really tough. We hear a lot about Pacific Islanders who end up in in European clubs, and you know if they're treated like that, they they find that really difficult. Yep. Would it? Where do you think that lies? Is it with the agent? Is it with the player? Is it with the the club? Is it should clubs employ mental health practitioners, almost like guidance teachers? They you you probably needed something, but because of who you are, you were you coped i know it was tough but you coped but others would have found that more challenging yeah um and like i i i was really lucky i i i was i felt at times like totally isolated and i was lucky because my my parents are incredibly supportive my brother my partner um but there were there were definitely times out there where you know i wouldn't even I wouldn't even realize I was doing it, but I was just isolating myself because of how how unhappy I was. Um, yeah. And it was it wasn't actually until Christmas. Um, I remember Ben Atiga was kind of kind of in charge of that for us uh, in a way, and he was also kind of a liaison for us. And he'd put a message in our group chat saying, "Hi lads, just looking to catch up with everyone." Um, when you're coming back over Christmas and stuff like that, we'll, we'll give calls and we'll just have like a, just a short catch up. And all the other lads got a call from him and then he'd messaged me and said, 
hi mate you're around for a coffee when this is when i was back in edinburgh uh, over christmas and i said yeah sure um like almost a bit like oh why why is he why do i have to go for a coffee and everyone else just had like the quick phone call um and it was when we went for a coffee he said i just wanted to um like catch up face to face because when i've spoken to the other boys on the phone they'd all been really concerned about you um and that was yeah that was um that was hard it was hard to hear um that, that that's interesting because it, it would probably be noticeable someone like yourself that's full of energy so they they've obviously noticed something um and you've said you you had a network there um yeah but, but you found yeah that sorry it's weird it's weird getting emotional about it um i think it's just because it's not my nature like but I don't, they, I don't they obviously that. saw that but like yeah. you said you you probably weren't aware and that's that's common people are not aware and yeah. it sometimes takes that external, you know, your mates are going, hang on, maybe need to check in. And and I was, uh, when you were telling that story, I was actually wondering, was that Ben doing that because it's Ben or was Ben doing that because that's what the process was? But it sounds like he had been given some information. He acted on it because yes, that was his job, but because he's a good guy. Yeah. And, um, that was a really, a really valuable chat for me because he was, he was incredibly open uh, and honest about things that he'd gone through um, with his move and his career um, as well. So for him to be really open about that was um, kind of like a bit of a, just opened the door for me to, to maybe open up a little bit as well. Um, and, you know, I, like I'm not, I'm not a talker to, to my parents i'm not a talker to to my, my missus or anything like that you know if there's a if there's an issue i like I'll, I'll solve it within it's probably a bit like it's, it's that it's that like bad um, stereotype yeah 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 it's that it's that bad stereotype and you know I, i'm definitely guilty of that and i was in that time when i was was in france you know i i, I just didn't talk to anyone when i was over there um i i think a big contributing factor going back to your, like the question what's needed to help that for, for me the club was um had such a bad culture within it it was so cliquey um within that it never really felt as the the scottish guys we were um welcomed or uh, a part of the team it just felt like we were the scottish guys you know we didn't we didn't get paid by the club we didn't get the same benefits that the players did. We didn't get bonuses. We didn't get match bonuses or appearances or wins or anything like that. So like winning meant something else to them than it did to us because they were like purely financially stimulated by it. We were trying to do like the best, for, probably selfishly for ourselves to, to try and come back in a contract. And I think that like for someone joining a club, it has to, it has to start with that club because that's your, that's your workplace. That's where you spend the majority of time. And in a sport like rugby, they're not, it's, it's hard to describe to people who work in a, in a commercial job, nine to five in the office. But like these guys aren't just your colleagues. Uh, they become your, your best friends. They become your, um, your family in that cliche way. Um, and to not have that in France, I think was the first time I'd, I'd ever experienced it. Um, and being just, 
the combination of not playing, the frustration, being away from home, different um, language. I think all of that combined was probably what kind of led to to, to the, the probably the frame of mind that I was in. And does it make you a better senior player? Having had yeah. that experience, are you on the I, I lookout try. for things? Yeah, I, I do the best um, that I can, especially with guys who are going through injuries um, and things like that, because I know through times where I've been injured, it's, it's it can be really isolating as well. Um, so especially young boys like going through long-term injuries, I think uh, I generally will try and always always find time to have a, have a chat with them and just not like a oh how's the injury but like a like how how are you um like, how's the head like let's like be honest about it because you know I, we've, we've all probably been there and all experienced it but there's just that um and it, rugby is not great for it because it is all like macho and ego and it's like but how are you actually doing so um that's something that I, I try and I try and do. I, I, I think I can always do more of it. Um so it's it's something to be to be aware of for me. Um but yeah, I'll I'll always try and um have that conversation with with, with guys. And kind of back to something that we mentioned at the beginning, you know, we've spoken for forty five minutes ish and we've not spoken about catching or passing or covering a breakdown or what we've spoken about are people in relationships and right at the mm. beginning I asked you about rugby and seeing it as a social thing what you've just mentioned there is entirely social and building relationships and yep. those are the things that I think make our game so special you then come back and you know you had to go through almost proving yourself I think or or showing that you still had the desire when you then get to that point of playing for Edinburgh at the time, you know, I, I thought playing well, I thought you had a, a a level of consistency that you knew what you were going to get. You then score quite a significant try. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a cool thing. And I'm lucky with the stuff I do at Edinburgh because I get to see some of this stuff firsthand. You know, you and I and Darcy did a, a nice Q&A that we enjoyed. <laughs> Darcy was half-gassed, but we uh, we had a good old time. But when I see somebody like you score, I feel like, yeah, we're cheering because Edinburgh scored a try, but there was a huge amount of emotion in that because Cammy's a good guy. Like, the, there was the cheer because it was a try, but I feel like there was there was something else because it was Cammy and, and Edinburgh's now developed that. The, the players are... You know their personalities; they they have a sense of belonging. Did did you feel that? Did you feel you were celebrated for just being Cami? Um, yeah, or you, um, you might not have been conscious of it at all. It's just that's just me. I I feel like there was a a bit of an Edinburgh loyalty to a guy like you. You know, from from the area, played in the clubs had had to graft and get there. So there's almost like uh it wasn't handed to you. And, and I think people give you quite a lot of credit for that. Or I think, um, yeah, I think what I've, what I've been really lucky to have is um, a bit more perspective um, because I've been like when France ended and I was coming back, I had no intention of playing super six. Uh, I was going to go back to uni and play uni rugby. And that was me. Like I, I had no ambition of, I didn't want to be full-time rugby. I didn't want to be a pro. Um, and then I was, I was just kind of approached by the Super Six teams. I, I, and that that was really nice because it was like, oh, 
well, maybe like someone does want me in the sport and then you obviously get playing again the competitive um juices get going and i was playing but not not chasing a contract i was just playing because it was just happy harriet's had like like similar to curry and, and north berwick like an incredible club culture and incredible um team behind the scenes it was a place where you know you could just go and just be comfortable instantly um and i was really lucky to have that and i think that's what brought me back to a level where i could come back into the pro game because and i've said it to to a few guys who obviously have kind of gone through it over the past 12 months knowing how hard the market's been like just just don't think about like the contract don't think about chasing the the, the dream or the full time just enjoy your rugby and like first and foremost if you enjoy it like i promise you like the performances come um and then with like when i when i joined edinburgh it was obviously i i think i i always felt really um blessed to be in a position of where i was really aware that like you're you're i mean i'm maybe a role model to a few kids i'm not like a darcy where i'm a role model to thousands or a scooey where like you're a role model to thousands but you, you try and have an impact every time you have an interaction with someone how can i make it really positive for them how can you make it a really positive experience not just thanks for your top i'll just sign it and hand it off but like what's your name like where, where, what club do you play at um do you have a game this weekend like have a bit more of an interaction with them it's always something that i, I consciously don't I brought it down here as well um that same kind of approach to, to how you interact with people um and it's always trying to like make a really good impression not just for me but for who i'm representing whether that's my family whether it's the club itself um behind that like the, there's so much more to it than just being like the the rugby player I, I think it's really important that you you embrace that as a role model and I felt really blessed to do that for Edinburgh because that was that's my, my home my home club and my home city so the opportunity for me to to be that role model to a kid that maybe was me 10 15 years before um, and I'm not expecting them to know my name uh, you know a lot of the time I would still walk down the tunnel at the that what's now the hive and i'd be like you know you know how you get all the kids that stand yeah, yeah. outside when you're walking from the pitch to the i'm like do you want, do you want my signature or like, <laughs> like, you, like i mean i know i know i played but like you probably don't like know who i am kind of thing um like darcy is just behind me i know you i know like that's the one you're really waiting for um so it's always like it's always i've never really that sure of like how to how to necessarily approach it i was kind of still starstruck by the amount of kids that were there and people wanting pictures and stuff like that and i've found um that i needed to find a different reason because obviously the the honor of doing that at edinburgh was was obvious it was where i'd come from and who i'd supported as a as a club growing up but now being at newcastle you know they're the ones that took an opportunity on me when when edinburgh said no um and you know edinburgh was was they were the ones that released me and and, and let me go and you know there was a period where i had I had no options um, of, of what my next adventure was going to be. It wasn't like it was, I was signing at Newcastle the day after Edinburgh released me or anything like that. Um, you know, I signed for Newcastle the two two days before my, the, my last game um, for Edinburgh, which was the Ulster game. So like now it's being really grateful for, for a city and a community that gave me the opportunity to, to continue doing what I love and a part of what I love is is that kind of interacting with the fans and um, 
just being really grateful for the for the job that I've got. Mate, you're such a good guy, and you're, we're we're back to the beginning again. Of it's the people you meet and the relationships you've got that are important, and and I love that. Um, I, I I did I do want to tell this story. So I when when we met, it was because you were I th- were you super six at that time. You must have been. Yeah, it was probably I was I was I think I was probably everything. There was yeah I was. I'd, I'd worked at um, a hotel in hospitality for about four weeks and absolutely hated it. And then I'd, met, I'd spoken to Sinky at training and said, mate, just let me do some shifts for you. And he said, right, come on board. Um, he said, you got a driving license? I said, yep. Yeah. He said, you're hired. Um, so that was that. And yeah, so I worked with so, Sinky for, for a while. So, so just, just to paint the picture, Sinky's a great guy and he has a removal business. Uh, we should probably name check them. Go for it. Give them a wee advert. Go for it. SSR. SSR removals. Or as I as I called them to sink SSR worldwide. <laughs> SSR removal. So I get in touch with Sinky, moving house. And then there you are. I think you had your rugby shorts on or something. And there you are throwing things around, a bit of sweat on, taking things upstairs, just earning some cash, working for a rugby guy that's brought boys on board and he's looked after so many players hasn't he yeah yeah yeah. i don't think there's uh anyone on the conveyor belt that's gone through harriet's that hasn't done a shift for sinker yeah and he and he's a top man and there you were grafting away and you know we had a bit of chat about rugby while you were lifting and carrying and i was fetching the drinks i think i didn't really do a huge (laughs) amount but there you were but i i love that and you, you mentioned it before about having perspective uh and you said so many things that make me think that director rugby PE teacher thing will, you know, it would absolutely suit you down the ground, but I think you've got the skills to do so many other things. When you, when you look into the crystal ball, is there a shot in professional rugby in America? Would you go to Japan? Is England, Scotland, like, have you got a plan or is it just do the best you can for the next couple of years with Falcons? I think, um, yeah, it is. What, what I learned with Edinburgh is, um and that was my first like real pro contract um is you, you just never know what's around the corner um, and you, you've seen it in the premiership with three clubs gone you've seen it in the champ with one club gone australia america you know rugby's in a difficult position at the minute so for me it's just enjoying enjoying being in the game um and like I, like I've said to you, I, I I'm a big, a big believer. If you're enjoying it, if you're playing with a smile on your face, the performances come. Um, and whether that leads to international honours, I, I will I'll never know. I'm, it's not something I'm in control of. Um, all I can do is just make sure that I'm playing the best rugby I can for Newcastle. Um, I think I'm probably a bit young. I'd like to think I'm a bit young to be heading kind of like the Japan um, MLR route just now I've, I've got ambitions to continue playing whether it be um premiership with with newcastle or or, or anyone else or, or back to the urc um that, that would probably be my my ambition but you know the there's not something i can i can control really at the end of the day I've, i can only control um what i do on the pitch what i do off the pitch and hopefully that leads to performances and selections and you know so on so on but you, you know if there's one thing i've learned it's a it's a roller coaster up and down and you know whenever you're riding the wave um you, 
can ride it with a smile on your face, but always knowing that it is gonna it is gonna start to to crash at some point, whether that's an injury, whether the, whether it's a spell not being picked. Um, so I think I'll, I'll, I always try and have that appreciation for when things are going well, just to really enjoy it for that for that time because you you really don't know what's around the corner. You've been really consistent with your message about enjoying things. You've said things like privilege and it's a blessing. And when you said that you would just go back and play uni rugby, you obviously love the game. Uh, you know, I, we both know professional players who probably have lost the love, maybe never had it. It was just a thing they were good at. Or, you know, if and when times time they'll watch on the TV or they'll, you know, they'll, take a hospitality every now and then but they probably won't want to go back into it. it sounds to me like this game's got you for life yeah i think it does i think it, i'm caught um you know i spoke at the beginning about putting hooks out for nibbles and i've i've uh, if you're to put that in a rugby context i've definitely uh taken the bait on it um <clears throat> and i'm like i'm lucky i'm lucky my parents love it my partner loves it my brother loves and plays it so you know i grew up around it and um it's kind of molded molded a big part of the the character that i am yeah class and i love it uh listen i didn't i didn't prompt you on this one but at the end of this i, I usually get people to finish the sentence and i'm and uh sometimes i forget but I've, I've remembered it with you because i'm actually intrigued so for me happiness is egg shape but for you cami happiness is uh for me happiness is smiling nice love it pure and simple and pretty much sums you up uh we'll have to get you back on and we'll actually talk about rugby at some point <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we've skimmed over so much listen uh, i love it you give me a heap of your time uh you know you're you've got that infectious thing i i just love you you're full of positivity i hope it goes well at falcons you know the europe was good for you i hope it I hope it translates into other things, but um, I hope you keep enjoying it and keep in touch and, and hopefully you'll be back. No, absolutely. Thanks very much. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Cheers, mate. See you soon. See ya. Gotta love them. Uh, there's so much in there. Jeez, we went down some rabbit holes, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. And he's he's got me smiling even more than nonsense because, like he said, happiness is smiling smiling's my favorite uh you can watch on youtube and facebook you can subscribe on apple acast spotify all over the place wherever you get your pods and remember we're the second best rugby podcast in the world believe that one or not uh, i've absolutely loved it speaking to cammy hutch and i'm looking forward to seeing him again sometime soon and hopefully i'll see you somewhere clubhouse touchline murrayfield who knows but uh hopefully we'll enjoy it whenever we do my name is bruce hitchson from the Happinesses podcast, and my happiness is egg shaped. See you all again very, very soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.